Being an active and involved grandparent takes some physical flexibility, a growth mindset, and an awareness of the changing world around us. Whatever our own family history, if we want to create a legacy for our grands, we need to ask the question, who do I want to be now that my kids are grown? Some of us have grands who take a lot of our time and energy, and some of us have grand ideas and grand plans, whether we have grands or not. I'm Emily Morgan. And I'm Mike Morgan. And in this episode of The Grand Life, we talk to fashion icon, author, and podcaster, Diane Gilman. She is a grandmaster of making herself known. If you have ever watched The Home Shopping Network or QVC, you know her name. But in our conversation with her, she gives us the backstory on how she came to be and what she is now becoming. A fashion rule breaker with millions of loyal fans, the charismatic pearl-haired queen of jeans, Diane Gilman, is 78 years young and embracing aging instead of fighting it. An inspiration for women embracing their third act. Diane, welcome to the Grand Life Podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. You know, you have definitely lived a grand life. Let's talk a little (laughs) bit about embracing your third act. But first of all, what would you say about your first two? Maybe you could break that down for us. Act one. Act one was probably my, I would say my youth can change from date of birth to maybe 20, 22. And very difficult, a very difficult household to come out of. um, Hmm. And uh, I had to leave home. My parents absolutely did not feel that a female should have any job at all. And that if you were going to have an education, they chose a college for me where they thought I had the best chance of finding a husband quickly. And uh, (laughs) that wasn't exactly what I was looking for. Because from the time I was a toddler, I was fascinated by fashion. And I was hmm. drawing little stick figures with dresses and I was cutting out paper dolls and, and rearranging their outfits. And um, I think possibly in today's world, you'd have a set of parents who thought, thank God this girl is going to support herself and possibly <laughs> us in old age. But that was not the case back then. And um, <laughs> so I had to leave home at a a pretty young age, around 19. And um, Mm. I just got immersed in the music industry in L.A. when it was the Beatles, 1963, 1964, and on. I had one opportunity, and that was, had a we went to see someone one night at the Whiskey Go-Go on the one night a week, Monday, that it's dark. And a wild redhead came out on stage with a bottle of Southern Comfort, opened her mouth, and it was Janis Joplin oh doing her gosh. first audition. wearing some wild jean jacket I'd made for myself with jewels and studs and hand painting and <laughs> and she was like afterwards you know he wanted to talk to her and she said hey man that's a cool jacket and I said oh, take it <laughs> it's yours <laughs> and that's how I got into doing all sorts of 
outrageous embellished denim for rock and roll stars that went on for years. And so that's your act two. You're starting into your act two, you think? The beginning of act two really kicks in when I just decide I've got to go professional. (laughs) I can't be in the party forever. And uh, I have enough money to buy a plane ticket to New York. And I know one person in New York. And I come back here. I can't get a job because I've never been to fashion school. My parents wouldn't send me there. You know, it's very interesting. But in any profession that depends on talent, the number one thing money men distrust is talent because you can't grasp it. You can't hold it. You know, it's like a butterfly. If you hold it too tight, you kill it. And if you hold it too loose, Chances are it'll fly away. So I had to get (laughs) a job, a couple of jobs. And I got one in Max's, Kansas City as the worst cocktail waitress in history. (laughs) But I met um, Andy Warhol and, you know, Mick Jagger was always in there. So again, I was on the periphery of a wild artistic area of society and the other job which was completely depressing was i applied at bloomingdale's to be a sales girl (laughs) and the only opening that they had was in the old lady's girdle and bullet bra department awful before (laughs) madonna made bullet bras famous (laughs) So, but that's how I met the fashion coordinator. I said, oh, I've got a little line I want to show it to you. I would go home at night and sew in between everything I was doing to keep myself alive. And they bought it and they gave me all the windows of Bloomingdale's and I was discovered. And through that, um, my name got out there. There At one point, I believe around 1985, 1986, I had every window of every department store in New York City and Brooklyn um, for spring fashion week. Oh, my gosh. Congratulations on that. What a cool second act. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now we're in your third act. Well, keep going. There's more, right? I'll go with the second half of my second act that leads me to my third act. Okay. So I pursued, you might even say stalked, (laughs) a very famous fashion executive who had boosted a lot of people like Tommy Hilfinger into fame and fortune. And he backed and ran a company with my name and uh, it was it dealt with a hong kong consortium of factories that wanted to take my name public on the hang sang index well guess what they just forgot to pay me <laughs> and so i mean and this happens Ooh. constantly where the suits understand you're a money maker but they don't really want to pay you all that money. And I took a deep breath uh, and I sued them, and um, which was very stupid because they had bazillions to spend on defense. But at some point, I thought, you know what? I'm going to have to go into another profession. I mean, I'm, I'm down to zero dollars. I'm about to fold up and go personally bankrupt. And I get a phone call. 
And I think, oh, my God, it's another bill collector. I don't want to take a phone call, but I did. Okay. Hello? Hello? We're from QVC. Are you Diane Gilman? And I thought, who is, what idiot is playing this game on me? And I said, come on now. What? Who are you? And she said, no, no, really? I'm from QVC. And my name was all over every department store in America, literally, with the Diane Gilman collection. Uh, and she said, we're looking for big department store names to come on TV. And I said, well, you got the wrong name because I can't use my name. I'm in the middle of a legal mm. battle. And she said, oh, we've got a lot of people that are in the middle of a legal battle. Guess what? <laughs> we'll just call you Diane. And that's how it all started. Oh, wow. And I went on there and I thought, this is really scary and I don't get this at all. But the more I did it, the more I thought I could kind of make this my own. And then HSN called me, which was a competitor at the time, but is now their sister network and said, come mm -hmm. to us and we'll give you full design freedom. And, you know, apart from swearing like a sailor, freedom on air to say what you want to say. Shop and save from the comfort of your own home. It's your television mall with millions in bargains all under one roof, yours. Now get ready to have fun and save money on the Home Shopping Channel. Here's your So I went there and then the seminal moment was when the female became the CEO, Mindy Grossman, who had originated with Ralph mm -hmm. Lauren Polo Jeans. So I knew she understood jeans and I had become a widow and gained like 80 pounds. I made food my companion and I couldn't fit into a jean anymore. So I made a jean for myself. Finally, I, I gave up going around the market trying to find a jean that fit my middle age body. By this time, I was 57, 58. So mm -hmm. I bought three yards of denim. I took my measurements. I did not go by industry standards. So big tummy, big waist and middle, shelf derriere, and little too thick legs. And Oh, you sound like I, me. Exactly. And millions <laughs> of middle-aged women. And I made yes. a jean and I thought, wow, I feel so much better about aging. I feel so much better about myself. <laughs> So I thought, okay, if I feel this good and one garment can make such a change in my attitude and reconnect me to my youth and all my best memories, wouldn't millions of women feel this way? So I brought it to the CEO. Absolutely. Um, she listened and she said, okay. She said, look. I'm not going to waste a $600,000 hour in prime time on this. It's too scary. But because no gene has ever sold <laughs> on air. But I will give you one hour to prove yourself. But she didn't tell me one hour was 5 a.m. Eastern Standard Time in February <laughs> on a Sunday morning with... A show host who was a 4X 
and was screaming at me right before the cameras turned on. Jeans. You'll never get me in a pair of jeans and crying. And then the cameras come on. And it's like, everybody. Um, wow. We had 5,000 jeans to sell. That should have taken an entire hour. It took three minutes. We had nothing, <laughs> ah, nothing left to do for the rest of the hour. But the point was, <laughs> it created a revolution, and it it taught me a lesson that that really our function in the design industry is to serve the customer. Yeah, you can serve your own imagination, mm-hmm. but when you truly connect at a heart level with your consumer. You've got something. It's like trying to hold lightning. It was crazy. Yeah. Some some hours we were selling twenty five thousand jeans an hour, two hundred and twenty five thousand yeah. jeans in a day. So this this goes on, wow. and it's so exciting. And then I design a top that's for middle aged bodies called the Easy Top, and that is selling as fast as the jeans are. And then my customers name me the Jean Queen. Okay, so I'm thinking, yeah, life is pretty good. And then in 2017, uh, Christmas Eve, I am rushed to uh, get a sonogram because something is really wrong. And uh, I have stage three breast cancer. And, uh, you know, a lot of that was me. Always saying to myself, yeah, well, it feels weird, but, you know, I'm on a plane to Paris. Because I took the company international. My feeling was we all share the same hormones. So it's not just American yeah. women that need this gene. And I was right. Every place, I, every city, yeah. Paris, London, Dusseldorf, Milan, Australia, Canada, every place I took the gene, it shot to number one immediately. But what good does that do you if you don't have your health? So right. I have to go on there and I'm 72 now and I have to say goodbye to my audience for a year and tell them uh, yeah, uh, that I have another job to do and that job is saving my life. Well, how else could we possibly celebrate Diane's last day on the air than by putting together her greatest hits in her ever so popular, all-time best-selling new classic stretch. These embellished jeans have been a massive hit today. Needless to say, like I said, she's- The next day, all over the globe. my assistant called me and I said, did anybody comment on my goodbye on Facebook? And she said, yeah, Diane. 135 and i said really 135 people is that good and she said no you idiot 135,000 of your fans have commented Uh, so i felt Mm -hmm. i formed a great sisterhood and i would say that breast cancer was a demarcation between my second act and my third act I came back 
with almost no hair after chemo, but white hair. And um, I just wanted to be authentic. And I just kept thinking to myself, yes. you know, I can't, I can't make this a negative experience. Actually, cancer taught me so much. And I understood humility, and I understood empathy. I understood how privileged I was in my place on the rungs of society. And I realized my purpose, which was providing a cushion for women as they plunge and fall into old age. And older age is always drawn and and painted as something so negative and that everything is being taken away from you. And that simply is not true. And although it can feel at times like a tsunami, you can help yourself if you've got the right information to make it, and it has been for me, some of the best years of your life. And so I understood my purpose. I understood my subject matter. And um, I realized that teleretail was a bit too narrow of a venue to be able to present that. They used to, I used to drive them crazy because I always <laughs> wanted to talk about more than just sell, sell, yeah. sell. Mm-hmm. So my third act has been a reinvention of self. And I think if you can admit to yourself that, no, you're not in midlife anymore. This is a whole new ball game. But it can be great and it can be so satisfying and it can be purposeful. And I always say, aging is not a punishment. It's a privilege. Oh, that's and great. Yeah. Every minute counts. Every minute. So, yeah, yeah I'm, I have my own podcast now. After publishing my second book, Too Young to Be Old, that's what we named our podcast, Too Young to Be Old. And it's bringing all information about how to live a better life, uh, a more productive life, an easier life, a more inspirational life past the age of 50, 55. Yeah. So what advice would you give to individuals who are looking to embrace aging with grace and confidence and style? I mean, that's what your book is about, right? Too young to be old? Totally. And the first thing is, what is the title? People always say, what is the meaning of the title? In your your head Uh and your heart. You know, one of my favorite songs is Forever Young by Bob Dylan. Oh, yeah. And um, so, yeah, so loving that song, that was always my goal, to to remain forever young. So in your head and your heart, you, you can do that. But you've got to embrace it and you've got to believe it and believe in yourself. And, you know, they've proved clinically and medically that actually your 70s, the majority of people, it's the happiest years of their life. Mm-hmm. So illogical, but so, so true. Um, so I think that you've got to see those years not as just floating 
away <laughs> to invisibility. Yeah, yeah. But actually, find your purpose, and and you know, it doesn't for me. I always like a big platform with a lot of punch to it and a lot of energy behind it. But that may not be you.、Mm -hmm. And I always tell a story that,、um, and it was a touching story. A woman had a sick husband. They were in their seventies. He went into the hospital, and she was a big gardener. And so every time she went to visit him in the hospital, she would bring a beautiful bouquet. Mm -hmm. Of her flowers, one day the nurse came to her and said, "Do you mind if we take like the three-day-old bouquets and bring them down to the children's floor to cheer them up because they've got nothing to?" So the next time she came, she came with two bouquets, one for the children's floor. Then the hospital came to her and said, "Could you supply like a dozen bouquets?" A week for the gift shop because everybody loves them, and she now has a national business. Oh my goodness, that、and、is amazing! So all of this, you know, you don't know from your humble or your small or your very personalized origins where it may go, but do what you truly love, and if you put heart energy into it. You will get that energy back a hundredfold. Oh, I totally agree with you. And you know, in fact, the, one of the reasons we started the Grand Life was because we had a passion for intentional and wholehearted grandparenting. We wanted to give grandparents a voice because we felt, as you've mentioned, that you kind of, as you get older, you feel like, well, I might as well just sit in the corner. I don't have anything to offer. Nobody wants to listen to me. And and this is what I love about what you're saying is that you can't go into aging with that attitude. Oh no, it's lethal. Yeah, and I whether you want a huge audience, which I'm always most comfortable with, or you just want people in your circle to listen to you, you've got to stay current. That's why I told you this morning. <laughs> I forced myself. I asked Alexa to play Taylor Swift's greatest hit because <laughs> I feel like as an older person. You can just say, "Oh, poo-poo, that's bubblegum junk," and never get into it. But there are huge sections of the art world and the music world、mm -hmm. that are going to tell you where society is at in、yep. the moment. And if you're going to always remain too young to be old, you've got to touch those really important societal buttons. Yeah, and there's the intentionality. I mean. Whatever you're doing, aging with intention, I think, is the key, right? Not just sitting、oh, there. Completely, intention and purpose and productivity, yeah, and self love and pride. Love it. Yep. Well, we're thrilled to have you on. I mean, I think it's just so en enlightening and empowering to hear about somebody, hear your story. And it kind of helps us translate into our own stories. What do we want to bring to the world? What are we offering? And you know, I, I think about Norman Lear, who just died, and I think about oh my god, yeah, at one hundred and one, at one hundred and one, and what he brought, what he brought, and one of the things I heard about him was he would finish a project, and then the next thing he would say is, "What's next?" Like he did not, so he did not stop, and you are not stopping. I love the first act, second act, third act, and who knows what your fourth act will be, right? But <laughs> yeah, I'm still developing my third act, and I'm loving every single minute of it. And I think that 
if I had to give that piece of advice, it was find something you love. Maybe it's something you've dreamt of all your life, but you've always been a parent and, and now you've got the time. Yeah. Find something you love and engage with it. Stay yeah. tethered into the world and knowing that the world at this point is a pretty dark place my total intention is to be a beam of light and hope and inspiration well you certainly are that is my goal (laughs) man i wish everybody could see you you look beautiful you look lovely you are a light and thanks so much for joining us on the grand life thank you thank you very much Diane is so inspiring, isn't she? It was a lot of fun to talk with her. She's so full of energy. Yeah. And who knew all those things (laughs) that she was a part of? It's amazing. I mean, she's an icon of not just fashion, but all of the different people that she's met and been around. You know, she has quite a life and quite a legacy that she's passed on to the people around her. And, you know, you think about how does this conversation about our first and second and third act relate to us as grandparents. Well, one of the things that she said towards the end of the conversation, and she was really clear about this, is finding your passion. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, that might be grandparenting for you forever, but it might not be that way. So, you know, you might find in a second or a third or a fourth act, you have something else that you feel passionate about. You know, grands grow and they require a lot less attention. We're noticing that even with our soon-to-be teenage grands. They they have a lot going on. They have a lot on their plates. And so there is room to think about maybe doing something you hadn't done before, something that you have a passion about and that, that you haven't had a chance to sort of fit into the schedule. Yeah. You know, Diane has gone through a lot of hard struggles. We heard about that and pain and setbacks, but she is determined to live life with a purpose. So what about us? She mentions that aging is not a punishment. It is a privilege. I think I agree with that. Do you? Absolutely. Yeah. So what's your next act? We'd love to hear what you think. You can contact us at email grandlifeconnection at gmail.com. That's all one word, grandlifeconnection. Or you can call us and leave voicemail at 317-572-7876. Thanks also for all the great reviews of our podcast. Please help others discover it by spreading the word. And finally, be on the lookout for more information coming about our new offering called Speakeasy. Make sure you follow us on Facebook at the Grand Life Podcast for updates. In the meantime, I'm Emily Morgan. And I'm Mike Morgan. And thanks for joining us in Living the Grand Life. Next time on The Grand Life. It's just amazing to hear how she went from what she was doing every day to now being the oldest woman to climb El Capitan. Her son led her up there, um, and but it's an amazing story. And, you know, her history is amazing. Everything about her is amazing. Uh, and, and it's just a great story of resilience and telling people that no matter how old you are, you still have opportunities to try new things. That's next time on The Grand Life.